It's one of many passages we're going to be going through today, but we're going to be launching today, as most of you know, the beginning of the third week of our 40-day emphasis as a congregation on really the highest virtue that you'll find in the Scripture, the greatest of all things, and that is, of course, love. Our love for one another. We've been looking at various aspects of love, both in the small groups that many of you are a part of, as well as uh, here in the pulpit, as well as in the book that you've been reading. Um, and today I'd like to focus on it once again. But before we do, I, I kind of like to, you know, set the mood with what some people think is the true feel of what love is all about. See what you think. If a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? The words will never show the you I've come to know. If a face could launch a thousand ships, then where am I to go? There's no one home but you. You're all that's left me to. And when my love for life is running dry, you come and pour yourself on me. If a man could be two places at one time, I'd be with you tomorrow and today. Beside you all the way. If the world should stop with all things spinning slow. Spend the end with you And when the world pours through Then one by one The stars would all go round Then you and I Would simply fly Doesn't that just, you know, say it all? Now, I've got to admit, I like that song. Especially looking at that picture, it, it, it evokes something that's very powerful. True Confessions, how many of you are old enough to remember it? All right, thank you. True, True Confessions, how many of you liked it? Past tense, how many of you like it? Present tense. Okay, we're going to be talking today about the fact that love is not a feeling. Not that feelings are unimportant. God can evoke feelings that are very powerful. 
and in their place they're good. Maybe part of what you've read is, or just seen is good. But um, some people think that what you just heard captures the heart of what love is all about. In fact, that's what our culture will teach us. That, you know, if you're truly in love, this thing is going to last forever on the wings of a song. That'll never go away. That'll never fade. That'll grow stronger by the day until we fly away. God help us. <laughs> because then reality hits. Especially if you get married, Right? Kind of like happened to Rick Warren. He told about it in one of the videos that we watched in our small groups on 40 Days of Love. He, uh, you know, in the first two years of marriage, he said it was like a marriage from hell. He got so depressed, he was put into a hospital, and he was thinking, this is what I saved myself for? You know? How many of you have ever thought that? No, you don't have to raise your hand. But in, <laughs> I would wager that in every marriage, you come to that point sometimes. Right? This is what I saved myself for. Question. Is the feeling of that song what true love is all about? Like riding happily ever after uh, into the sunset. I think we'd all agree that there's no place where true love is more desperately needed, especially these days, than right up there on the screens between a husband and a wife. And so we better understand what it's really all about. There's no relationship that's more important to talk about than this one, the marital relationship. Even if you're single, I don't want you to feel like we're leaving you out because that's not my intention, especially if you're single. You know, some say we shouldn't talk about marriage too much from the pulpit because single adults will feel left out. I say, and I said as a single, you can't talk about it enough because I, for one, want to be ready for the most important relationship in life. And you may not get married, and if you don't, this will instruct you more about relationships in general. So I'd like to begin today by asking a question. We'll focus on marriage. Look up at the screen. You see the picture up there on the left-hand side of the screen? Imagine that one of those people is you. And answer this question. How do you make it to the right-hand side of the screen? How do you make it there 40 years later? Can you get there on the wings of a song by just flying away from the altar into the sunset? Why is it that so few marriages these days Never make it to the right-hand side of the screen. I don't want to overly simplify a very complicated problem, but I would submit to you that a good part of the reason has to do with love, right? Or the lack thereof. And maybe more in particular, part of that has to do with our definition of love. What it ought to be all about. And with a misunderstanding in our country, more than probably any other country in the world, with the definition of love, what true love means. You know, I've, I've married well over 60, maybe upwards to 70 couples over the years. And the vast majority of them thought that with them it would be different. And when I instructed them on the challenges of marriage, for so many of them, I, you can just tell it, their eyes sort of glaze over. This, they, they felt that this incredible emotion of being in love, which, yes, according to the Scripture, is the very flame of the Lord. He's got that all the time. But they think this incredible emotion of being in love is one, you know, that you can live on, one that's got to be strong enough to carry us through. 
till one by one, you know, the stars would all go out and you and I would simply fly away. Truly, love is blind. What is love anyway? How do you get from there to there? Very important question. There are four ingredients that go into true love that you'll find all through the Scripture, but that you'll be hard-pressed to find in our culture that I'd like to focus on today. And the first is this. The first is that love is a commitment and a choice. True love is a commitment and a choice. So many examples in Scripture, starting at the very beginning. Deuteronomy 30. Choose to love the Lord your God and commit yourself to Him. He said, that's the kind of love I want from you. Choose to love the Lord your God and commit yourself to Him. This is a very simple concept. Simple, but not easy. You choose to love or you choose not to love. It's a choice. Today, we kind of bought into this myth that real love is uncontrollable, that you really can't control it, that it just kind of happens to you. No, that's not true love. True love is a choice and a commitment. In fact, even the language that we use these days teaches that it's uncontrollable. We say, I what in love? I fell in love. Very telling word. As though, you know, it were a ditch or something. Right? And that's where many lovers end up who define it that way. In the pits. I was just, you know, I was just walking around one day and bam, I fell in love. I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry, it was out of my control. Must be the real deal, must be true love. But of course, it's not love, it's a great deception. Attraction is uncontrollable. No doubt about it. Arousal uh, can often be uncontrollable. At least that's what it feels like at first. No doubt about that. But attraction and arousal are not true love. They can lead to love, but they are not love in the biblical sense of the word because love is a choice. You know, when people say, I just don't love her anymore. You know, as if you don't have a chance, any kind of choice. no. Just be a man. Don't blame it on circumstances. Own up to it. You are choosing not to love her anymore. What happens at the altar when you get married? You you make choices and you make commitments, right? And that's as it ought to be. You take your vows and you say, I choose to love you above everybody else in the world, forsaking all others. I choose you for the rest of my life. That's a choice. And that's a commitment. Today, marriage is really, and this is telling, it's the only public profession of unconditional love that we have left in our society. Didn't used to be that way. Covenants, you see them all through the Old Testament and the New of friendship, covenants of various kinds of relationship. Each time you seal a relationship, because love, they knew, is a choice that you seal, you know, not with this emotional kiss. You don't seal it with a kiss. You seal it with a volitional vow. That's the heart of true love. Some people think that love will sustain their marriage. But really, if you think about it, it is just the opposite in God's design. No, it's your marriage that was meant to sustain your love. Marriage was meant to give, you know, 
puppy love, to give the left-hand side of the screen that kind of love, a place of stability and a permanence wherein it can grow to maturity, into real love. Marriage was designed to, you know, to rescue love from the tyranny of the emotions. The up and down nature of the emotions. It forces us to live through the times of difficulty and to grow to greater love. It's like Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, and listen to this, it's so true, so biblical, so countercultural. He says, it's your marriage and not your love for each other that joins you together in the sight of God and man. As high as God is above man, so high is the sanctity of marriage above the sanctity of love. And then here's the line. It is not your love that sustains your marriage. It is your marriage that sustains your love. It is your marriage, your vows that sustain your love. And our legal system once took these vows very seriously. They enshrined them in law. They protected them. But then came no fault divorce and a bunch of other things. And today, those vows so often aren't worth the license that they're signed on. And the government's not backing it as God instituted the government to do. Someone said marriage has evolved legally from an institution that was heavily guarded from actual and perceived threats. It's evolved from legally into from that institution into a naked, fragile and unenforceable agreement between the parties themselves. It's all up to us now. The law is no longer on the side of marriage, of our marriage vows. So all the more these days, all the more love had better be, you know, born by something a little more than on the wings of a song. No, love is born uh, on the back of a choice and of a commitment. The second, according to Scripture, love is not just a choice and a commitment. Love is an action. Love is an action, and you've heard this before, of course, and not just an emotion. It's more than attraction. It's, it's more than arousal. It's more than sentimentality, like the, you know, the love songs we've heard from Kingdom Come. I got a quiver in my lover, liver. It's an, uh, an ocean of emotion. Doesn't that say it all? So when the emotion is gone, does that mean love is dead? Yeah, that's how they put two and two together. That's how all many of us do, too, because we've been swept up in our culture. All of us have. What's wrong with our marriage? And, but it's not dead. Not at all, because love is an action. Love is something you do. True love is a behavior, according to Scripture. It's all over the place in the Bible. Over and again, we're commanded, for instance, to love God and to love each other. And you can't, you can't command an emotion. Can you? You can't just be sad on cue. You, you, you know, as a parent, have you ever told your kid, just be happy? As a wife, have you ever told that to your husband? <laughs> or vice versa? But daddy, I'm trying and I can't. You just can't command an emotion. Emotions are often uncontrollable. If, if love were just an emotion, God couldn't command it. But love is something you do. It produces uh, emotion, but it's an action. The Bible says in 1 John 3.18, let us love not with words or tongue. In other words, let's just not talk about our love, but with action and in truth. 
You can talk a good act. I love people. And that sounds good. Do you really love them? Well, let's see how you act towards them. It's like the girlfriend who said to her boyfriend, he's always saying, honey, I die for you. Right? She said, and, uh, and, and, and she said, you, you always say that, but you never do it. Right? There it is. There's the rub. She's right. Love is something you do. And the ultimate love is dying on the cross. Anybody who's had children know that when they're little babies, you get up sometimes five or six times, you know, a night or whatever to take care of that little baby. And you don't do it, at least not always, because you feel like it, do you? You know, you don't say, oh, I think I'll get up again. I can't help but do it. I so feel like it. I, I've had too much sleep. I think I'll get up again and go check on that baby. No, you do it because it's the loving thing to do. And so if you're feeling that, you, you, that, that, uh, that you're not loving toward that child, don't let that put on a guilt trip for, uh, with you just because you don't feel like it. If you're doing it, way to go. That's love. Anytime you've held a sick pen, you know, for a loved one who was nauseated, you probably didn't feel like doing it, especially going on and on and on. But what they needed is what they needed, and you were being loving when they were sick. You were giving them what they needed, um, uh, not what you felt like doing. That is the ultimate form of love in God's evaluation. When, when you're a, you know, a patient, when you're impatient with someone who's irritable, you know, when a clerk who's being a jerk. And you can't blame clerks for being jerks given the kind of customers they have to deal with these days, right? And everything in your body wants to be sarcastic back to them and you respond in kindness and in politeness and love to that clerk who's being a jerk and you're giving them not what they deserve but what they need. That is true love. When you come home at night and you're as tired as everybody else, maybe it's your roommates that you're living with or your family, whatever, but you do the loving thing, not because you feel like doing it, because you do it out of love. You, rosted, you wash the dishes. That is true love. It's like Billy Graham's wife said when they asked her if she always loved Billy. And he said, well, sure, I always love him, but sometimes I want to kill him. That is true love. I always love you emotionally. I may want to kill you, but I always love you by what I choose to do. When you do the loving thing because it's the right thing, even though it may be the hard thing, that is ultimate love. Love is an action more than an emotion. In fact, in the book of James, James says you do all this big talk about love and all this talk about faith and you don't follow up with actions. It is worthless. That's what he says. doesn't matter. And that's a good thing because it's always easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action, isn't it? Shall I say that again? It's always easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action. Some of you have been in marriages for a long time, and the truth is the flame has gone out. That is really, really hard. Hardest thing in life, probably. Thrill is gone. You're living separate lives in the same home. How do you rekindle that romance? How do you rekindle the feeling of love? A good part of the bottom line is you act your way back into the feeling. And if it's been going on for years, you need to expect it not to go away for years. 
You act the other way for years sometimes. You say, I don't feel like acting in loving toward them. Well, so what? If you start acting in love, in the end, the feelings follow because feelings follow behavior. That's why, the, how many of you have seen the movie The Marriage Dare? Or read the book? Or is that, isn't that what we saw, Ron, in our small group? Fireproof, yeah. How many of you have seen the movie Fireproof? And then the book, isn't the book called The Marriage Dare, where for 40 days... The love there, oh man, for 40, you still love me, don't you? For 40 days, you go through the love there and you act your love in different ways for 40 days. And it works the miracles. It's a powerful thing. Love is a choice and a commitment. Love is an action, not just an emotion. Third, the Bible says that love is a skill. Love is a skill that you can learn. It's something you can get good at. You don't just have it or don't have it, depending on, on how touchy-feely you are on the inside as a person. It's a skill you can get good at. You may think you're a good lover, but I'm talking about becoming a great lover, a skilled lover, a, a, a master lover. It's what we want our church to be known for, the most loving church around. We don't want to be known as a church with, you know, the beautiful sanctuary or whatever. No, we want people to say that church is where they love. They don't care about who you are or what you do or where you've come from or what you've done. They love you there. Not only do they love you there, they teach you the skill of loving. Which is what we're doing over these 40 days. They're a caring community. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 7, Dear friends, let us practice loving each other. The only way you get skilled at something is by practicing it. You do it over and over. That's why, you know, it takes a while for the wife to train her husband. Right? Doesn't it, woman? It takes practice, especially for men, especially with women. It takes skill and practice to love a woman as we ought to love her. We practice a lot of things, don't we, men? Skiing, hiking, Fantasy football. And we get better and better, and that's motivating, isn't it? So how about practicing becoming a master lover? The ball is in the man's court, according to Paul. He says, husbands, love your wives. Doesn't say that to wives. They've got to start it. So like it says in Proverbs, there are three things that are too wonderful for me. Four I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky. The way of a serpent on a rock. The way of a ship on the high seas. How do they know where to go? And last one, the way of a man with a maid. How does he do it? He becomes skilled in love. Like the captain of a ship who charts the course across a pathless sea. That's the challenge. What a man. We need to become skilled at loving our wives, which is why Peter says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Which is why after Easter, we're bringing on a seminar, a seminar on marriage called Love and Respect. It's the book I give to every couple that I marry. We'll learn that women need to be loved, to be cherished skillfully, and that men need to be respected. And if you know how to do that skillfully, it'll transform your marriage. Love is a choice and a commitment. Love is an action, not just an emotion. Love is a skill. And then finally, the Bible teaches that love is a, a habit. A habit that becomes a lifestyle. That's why it says in Hebrews 13, continue to love each other with true Christian love. It's a habit we develop with all people. And if it's not with all people, then it's not habit enough. 
That's why Christ says, if you only love those who love you, what credit is that to you? In other words, big deal, big whoopee. The point is, it's easy to think, you know, I'm a loving person because I love those who love me. I so love my family. And you don't put it into words, but maybe you kind of pat yourself on the back. Christ says, that's not being a fully loving person. Being a loving person is when you love the unlovely, when you love people who don't love you, when you love people who irritate you, who bite, who, you know, who uh, backbite you, who gossip about you. Anybody can love people that love them. That takes no character at all. It's like I say to our almost every couple I marry, I say love at first sight is no miracle. So don't pat yourself on the back as when two people have been staring bleary-eyed over the kitchen table for 30 years and still love each other, that is a miracle. They've got a good habit going. Love is a habit. I can't claim to be loving unless I'm habitually loving. It's like saying to my wife, Honey, I'm going to do a big, a big deal here. I'm going to be faithful for, to you for six days a week. Is that faithfulness? Ask your wife. <laughs> and in the same way, love is a habit, and we should never rest until it becomes habitual among people and over time, which is a huge part of what 40 days of love is all about, learning the skills and habits of loving, seeing our progress, becoming better and better lovers, and practice makes perfect. During 40 days of love, we're learning, really, the habits of love, some new habits. True love is habitual, and habits pay off. In fact, research shows that most couples who tough it out for 35 years will finally find themselves as happy as they were as newly weds. Now, I know that's kind of delayed gratification. <laughs> 35 years? That doesn't play well to the American culture, does it? But in a lot of ways, delayed gratification is what true love is all about. Delayed feelings. You do it when they're not there. And so the Bible says something that you could write as a banner over every home and over all our relationships. Continue to love each other. Continue to love each other with true Christian love. True love is not about being in love, much less falling in love, and neither is marriage. And though th that kind of expectation has ruined Countless marriages. So if you're single, kill that expectation while there's still time. Marriage is about learning to love, not being in love. Marriage teaches the feeling of love that you see up there on the left-hand side of the screen, that love is a choice, love is a commitment, love is an action, love is a skill, love is a habit. Marriage teaches the puppy love that you see on the left-hand side of the screens to be the true love that you see on the right-hand side of the screen. And that takes time. Marriage is the place where love can grow to maturity, sometimes in a crucible of conflict. It's like Tevia and Goldie and Fiddler on the Roof. How many of you remember Fiddler on the Roof? Remember that scene between Tevia and Goldie? I've, I've read this um, at many a wedding. It's a dialogue between them and uh, uh, they're Russian Orthodox Jews who have been married for 25 years. Tevia, Goldie, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? Goldie, you fool. Tevia, I know. I've heard that before, but do you love me? 
Goldie, do I love you? For 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked the cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Goldie, Debbie, Goldie, the first time I met was our wedding day. I was scared. Goldie, so was I. Tevia, I was nervous. Goldie, so was I. Tevia, but my father and my mother said we'd learn to love one another. And now I'm asking, Goldie, do you love me? Goldie, I'm your wife. Tevia, I know, but do you love me? And then she turned to the audience and she'd say, do I love him? For 25 years, I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years, my bed was his. If that's not love, what is? Tevia, can you love me? Goldie, I suppose I do. And Tevia, and I suppose I love you too. And then they would look at each other and they'd say together, It doesn't change a thing, but after 25 years, it's nice to know. That's love. Their kind of love is a commitment, a choice, an action, a skill, and a habit. It's by that kind of love that you get from the left-hand side of the picture to the right-hand side of the picture. And if you think about it, in their own way, that couple on the right, as their bodies grow weak and as their eyes uh, grow dim and as one by one all the stars start to go out, it's then that together with the Christ who made their love possible, they will simply fly away into the arms of the Lord. Father, we want to thank you that though these things are easy to understand and they're very hard to do and yet you never command us to do something that you don't also enable us from the inside out by the Spirit of Christ. And so, Father, we pray as in our worship that we would look to the ultimate epitome of love hanging on the cross for us and that we'd be reminded of His love and stirred up within by the Spirit of Christ to overflowing as we choose to exercise true love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's all stand together.